Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Greetings and welcome back to our study of the book of Revelation in our series titled, The Lion Revealed. Turn with me there in chapter 8. Last week we saw the impact of the seal judgments. This week we look at the trumpet judgments that follow. Uh, I've been told in these last several weeks that um, you must be crazy, Pastor, to teach Revelation from the beginning to the end. There's a lot of crazy stuff in that. I've had other pastors tell me I would never do that. But I tell you what, if God put it in the Bible, doesn't he want us to know it? That's my opinion, and I know my opinion doesn't matter. He's told us he wants us to know it. The book of Revelation was an encouragement to the first century church who was being uh, terrorized by the, the Roman Empire. They were being taken out and, and arrested. Some sent uh, to Rome where they would lose their life in an arena at the game of a, of a cruel Caesar. Others uh, would go through their own torment in their cities. They were, uh, they were kind of really separated out and made uh, to be apart from people. And it was difficult to go through. It had been some 60 years now since Christ had been crucified and went back to heaven. They were told he was coming back, but now they're beginning to wonder what's going on. Has God forgotten us? Has he changed his mind? Well, God writes this book to let people know that he is large and in charge, and he has not abdicated his throne. His will will be done in heaven as it is on earth, or on earth as it is in heaven. And, and he's reminding the people, listen, don't give up yet. I'm coming back. Between the sixth and seventh seal, we heard testimonies from the tribulation saints and rebellious people on earth. This week, we continue with the seventh seal, a short interlude between the judgments, and then we see the resumption of Christ's wrath on earth. Let's begin with number one. If you'd like to take notes, and I encourage everyone to take them, they're on the back of your bulletin. Number one is this, heaven's interlude of prayer. Heaven's interlude of prayer. Verse, or chapter eight, verse one. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, we have just read where heaven is this wildly amazing place. It is raucous in heaven. There are shouts and worship and, and singing and all this is going on. We got angels, you know, falling down. We have elders. We have all this. Heaven is a rocking place of worship. But suddenly, we hear that heaven is silent for about a half an hour. So why is this worship service suddenly interrupted? Well, we're not provided the, the reason, but I'll give you two good possibilities, I think. Number one, heaven had just witnessed the awesome power of Christ's righteous judgment directed towards the earth. 
They had, they, this has all taken place. These seals, if you were here last week, the seals had, had been opened and all this judgment had just hit planet Earth head on. And suddenly there's this pause for a moment. Number two, with the scroll now fully open, remember there were seven seals around the scroll. And, and Jesus is opening one seal at a time and with each seal a different judgment. But this is the seventh seal. So he's opened them all. And so the scroll unravels and opens. And then I think when that happens, people are suddenly aware that judgment is far from over. In fact, it's only begun. Continuing on in verse number two. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Remember, there were seven angels that we taught, we've been talking about around the throne of God. And so here they are. And these seven angels that stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, trumpets play an important role in Jewish history. They were used to muster the people for, for war and for worship. Today, I would say you've got to have both. We're in a war, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, and, and worshiping the Lord right now is, is needed, right? So prayer, worship, and war all go together, uh, but, but they would blow these horns to muster the troops, and then they use the horns to send messages to the troops on the battlefield. Now, they didn't have electronic communications, of course, back then. And so they, when they wanted to inform the troops how to move or to do something on the battlefield, they would blow a horn, and it would say, they could do it differently so you could recognize, oh, we're supposed to move forward now, or we're supposed to retreat, or we're supposed to move right, or look out for our flanks. Those kinds of messages could be sent through the trumpet. And then number three, they were used to announce special occasions in Jewish history for holidays and celebrations. They announced the arrival of these. Trumpet had, uh, had called John to heaven early on in Revelation, we saw that. And trumpets will announce the rapture to believers one day. What we'll hear one day, if you're a Christ follower, one day you will hear a voice that sounds like a trumpet. And it will be our Lord and Savior announcing our rapture off this earth and into heaven in a blink of an eye. Verse 3, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. Now remember, this is the altar that's in front of the throne of God. God has this magnificent, amazing, beyond description. John can't, can't even begin to describe what it looks like with God on this throne. And then in front of the throne is this altar. And this angel was given much incense that he should offer it up with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. In the Old Testament, incense played an important role in the worship of God. In fact, incense and prayers are similar in that they both bring a sweet aroma that rises up to our holy God. Here we see both being offered up to the Lord together. 
Verse 5, then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar. Now, this fire in the altar is an eternal fire that will always be there. It has probably always existed, but it will be there before the throne of God forever. So he, this angel, angel, he dips into this altar of fire, and he adds it uh, to this sweet-smelling aroma. And what does he do with it? Well, he filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it to the earth. I wasn't expecting that the first time I read that. I thought we were going to have this beautiful moment of where, you know, the incense goes up and rises, but he doesn't. He scoops fire, he puts it, you know, inside this device, he swings it around and he throws it down to earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. I think he does this to get the people, people on planet Earth their attention. This is a precursor for what is, what's about to be unleashed. It has been said that, the pra- that prayer is not to get our will in heaven, but rather to usher in God's will on earth. And here we see just that as God sends down judgment mixed with the prayers of, of godly saints, and all of this triggers the seven trumpet judgments. Verse 6, so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And now we see number two, the first six trumpets of judgment, the first six trumpets of judgment here. Let's begin with the first trumpet. The landscape is struck. The landscape is struck. Verse 7, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Imagine for a moment that the grass of the earth disappears, and the effects that that would have on the world's farm and livestock industry immediately. Grains, vegetables, meat, dairy will immediately become scarce because cows run on grass. The Greek word here translated trees uh, usually refers to fruit trees. This will only add to the weight of the worldwide famine that has just begun. The second trumpet, the seas are struck. The seas are struck. Verse 8, then the second angel sounded, and something like, John isn't quite sure, this is, you remember, he's, a, he's in the first century, he doesn't have what we have today, and even today we, we can only imagine, but he says, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. I don't know. I meant to this week count how many times here a third is mentioned here. It's a lot. You're going to hear it this morning throughout the entire these, cha- these chapters here. And I asked myself, what is it with one third? All I could come up with a guess is, that Jesus is one-third of the Trinity, and it's his judgment, and one-third is, is the judgment. 
John sees something that he describes like a mountain thrown into the sea. We're not exactly told what, what this is, but I'm betting on an asteroid-like mass that strikes uh, the earth suddenly. Again, imagine the fishing industry that supplies the world with seafood suddenly being all wiped out along with a third of all the ships on the ocean, industrial, military, and transport ships. According to Google, on any given day, there are approximately 50,000 ships on the ocean somewhere. Imagine that 17,000 of them are sunk in a single cataclysmic event. The loss of life, the goods on board, and the ecological ruin from fuel oil suddenly being released into the oceans will be beyond description. By the way, this is a bad time to book a cruise ship. <laughs> now again, if you know Christ, you're in heaven but for the world, this can be a real bad time, especially if that cruise ship is, is called the Tribulation of the Seas or something like that. I don't know. Okay. The third trumpet. Here's the third trumpet. The waters are struck. The waters are struck. Verse 10. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Again, John is, is trying to do his best to wrap his mind about this and, and give us you know, his impression of this, of what he's seen and experiencing. And really, it's indescribable. The word wormwood is associated with bitterness. It may not be an entire star, but likely a meteor or, 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 or a star that has broken up through our atmosphere and, and, and it's, it falls to planet Earth. And it covers a third of the rivers, a third of the drinking water. And can you imagine sulfur going into our drinking water or some other poisonous um, content. It'll be fatal to many, Scripture says. God knows every star and has named them and numbered them, and right now there is spinning in space. There's one that awaits his direction for a rendezvous with planet Earth. The National Geographic Society reports that there are roughly 100 major rivers in the world it, they supply drinking water to the vast majority, to the billions of people. America has some 30-ish large rivers, and dumping stardust into a third of them will promote a form of pollution that kills many after they drink it, probably from the sheer necessity of worldwide dehydration. Listen, you can live without food for 35, 40 days, but you've got to have water pretty regularly. The fourth trumpet, here's the fourth trumpet. The heavens are struck. The heavens are struck. The first three trumpet judgments affected uh, a third of the world directly, but this fourth one affects our solar system as well. Verse 12, 
Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Now, I don't have to tell you how God created our planet with just the perfect amount of sun and light, the sun to warm us and the light that makes crops grow, which feed the entire world, and the moon, which reflects the glory of the sun at night. It's kind of like a a night light. At this time, God sends a form of extended twilight upon the world. This was prophesied over 2,000 years before this event will take place. Joel, in in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, predicted this moment when he wrote this. He, He wrote, Blow the trumpet of Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And what an ominous day that will be. Verse 13, and I looked and I heard an angel. Now some translate this this word angel to be eagle. Uh, I don't think it's either or, I think it's both. Do you remember the living creature that that stands next to the throne? Uh, The angel with the face of an eagle flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. If earth thought they were going to get a break here, they don't. And this angel announces Whoa, 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 there's three more trumpets coming. If Jesus hasn't drawn all humanity's attention towards heaven at this point, this flying announcer will do the trick. The three woes here refer to the remaining three trumpets yet to be blown. The phrase inhabitants of the earth or earth dwellers, depending on your translation of Bible, is found 12 times in this book and always refers to those who live for the earth. Not living in the earth or on the earth. It's those who are living for the earth and are in the world, not of the world. These are, these are the unsaved. These are the unbelievers. These are the ones that reject God and don't want anything to do with him. This word does not, listen, it does not include God's redeemed tribulation saints that we were introduced to last week. They, the tribulation saints, are under the protection of the Almighty God. You may remember that God's, the Holy Spirit, seals on their forehead. He places a seal on them. Listen, they miss the rapture, but many will come to Christ during the tribulation. And when you come to Christ, I I hope that's not you, You have the opportunity to to, to bypass all of this right now. But those that come to Christ after the rapture, they get a seal on their forehead. It's the name of God. And they are protected from all of this stuff going on around them. And it's going to be an amazing, awesome time. We've seen the effects of the first four trumpets now things are about to get mind-blowingly worse. It, it, I, I, it just keeps getting worse and worse. As I turn the pages of my Bible at home, I go, wow. 
man. Let's look at the fifth trumpet now. Earth's inhabitants are struck. Earth's inhabitants are struck. We've seen seas, grass, rivers, all this. But now, Jesus turns his wrath upon the inhabitants. Chapter 9 now. Chapter 9. Verse 1, then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. This verse informs us that this person who the key is given to is not a literal star, as it uses the pronoun him. To him was given the keys. The word fallen here refers to a previous fall in the past. Scripture doesn't clearly identify this person, but I'm guessing it's Satan who was referred to as the bright morning star before his disobedient fall when he was cast out of heaven and down to earth. The bottomless pit here, some uh, translations use a great abyss, is likely Hades or the place of the dead, Uh, physically and spiritually. These are where the people who have rejected Christ's offer of salvation have died. They go to Hades. They go into this holding place until they'll, they'll be judged one day before Jesus Christ. They will stand before him. In effect, by rejecting his offer of grace and mercy, they've, they've chosen to be judged by their own merit where one sin is guilty. So this is a place of the dead, Hades. Verse two, and he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. The sealed ones are the tribulation saints, so these creatures can't harm the tribulation saints. They have the seal. They're only allowed to harm those that have rejected Christ. Verse 5, and they were not given authority to kill them, the rebellious ones but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now, I've never been struck by a scorpion. I've had some close calls, uh, sticking my foot, my foot in a boot that when I was out in the desert and a, a scorpion had, had crawled into it one night. Uh, it didn't sting me. But I know a person that got uh, stung by a scorpion, and, and he described it as an extreme burning sensation that went up from, he got struck in, in the uh, lower part of his leg, and it became so painful, he said, I mean, it is just sheer pain coming out of that wound. And, and the poison is, is, runs up the leg, and it burns. It's like this burning, painful thing that goes through your leg. It's, it's a terrible thing to experience. Verse 6, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their foreheads 
were crowns of something like gold, John describes it, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. Now, I don't know if these are literally locusts that God creates like this, and they're only, you know, this big, uh, or if these are, uh, you know, a whole nother situation. To me, this sounds like a demon-possessed, um, something demonic coming out of this pit. Interesting to know that demons are always wanting to possess God's creation. So in the Bible, we see demons coming into people, right? They want to they possess people, the human body. And we read about some of these demons in Scripture. But this time, God says, uh-uh. This time, you're going to possess a bug. And, uh, and he doesn't give them the right to go into uh, a person's body. He uses this, um, this locust-like creature with a scorpion tail. Um, and, and they sound like an army marching with horses. What a terrifying event this will be. You can hear them coming from a long way off, but there's nothing you can do about it. What a terrible time to be on planet Earth. What a great time to be in heaven. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.